0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Why Did You Read That? Starring Megan.
1: It's not starring Megan. It's starring Peter.
0: Starring Megan and Peter.
1: Megan and Peter.
0: We are uh, two High Plains Library District staff members Mm -hmm. who read Mm -hmm. a fair amount and then uh, also read a fair amount of oddities.
1: And just differently. Yeah. We're different people. Very different people.
0: Yeah, there's a contrast between you and I. (laughs) Oh, remind me later. So I do some writing in my free time. And I had an idea for a rom-com-like story. But then I was like, I need to run this by Megan because there's like a good chance that this already exists. Mm. And I'm just tracing over a story that either exists or has been redone like 20 times.
1: So are you wanting to just tell me later or are you wanting to tell me not recorded?
0: Um both either
1: okay because i'm just thinking you know people are going to be like well i want to know
0: oh well you can't know yet sorry you're gonna have to pay a dollar 99 on the kindle store (laughs) (laughs) or if it turns out that it's a story that totally exists then i'll just tell everyone okay maybe maybe i'll be too embarrassed because i'll be like i didn't know that this was the notebook apparently that's what the notebook is the
1: notebook is not a rom-com
0: I've had a couple of experiences like this where I'm like, I have an idea and then um my partner Cassie will be like, Um, yeah, that's like the most famous episode of Friends and I was like, Oh, cool. All right.
1: That was great the first time when it was called While You Were Sleeping. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Little film a couple people have heard of, won a best picture award. <laughs> I don't know. I got this great idea. Okay, it's this guy. He's an Italian guy in Philadelphia. <laughs> Amateur boxer (laughs) gets a shot at the champ.
1: He just wants to go the distance. That's
0: right. I got, I'm going to try and get him some kind of phrase, like, I just want to finish the day or something, (laughs) you know, (laughs) anyway. um, But this is a a show about books. Books. And we're going to each, we each bring four titles Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll pick two of Megan's titles that intrigue me. Yep. She'll pick two of mine that intrigue her or don't fully disgust her. And then we'll, we'll talk about those in a little bit more depth. But first. But first, we have to start with a joke. That is correct.
1: Are you ready? This is, I think, a good one. I am ready. And this, we had our first like real snow of the year today uh, as we're recording.
0: I did want to mention it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, that's how cool we are. <laughs> we're recording <laughs> this on New Year's Eve when everybody else is... We are a
1: hot social commodity. All right. How do you find Will Smith in the snow?
0: Hmm. This is a hard one to guess because I'm like, is is the punchline going to be about him as actor? Mm -hmm. As rapper? Mm -hmm. As just a guy? Fresh Prince? Oh, because... You follow the fresh prince.
1: Perfect. Yes! You got one. Well done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, sadly a joke's not as funny when you talk it out.
1: Yeah, well, you know.
0: But that's okay. For me personally, it was very it was rewarding. A victory. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like that one. That
0: was follow good. Follow the fresh prince. I like that one.
1: Yeah. You like it cuz you got it.
0: Yeah. That's my favorite one so far. I bet <laughs> cuz
1: I actually got it right. <laughs> well done congratulations thank you thank you
0: i do feel good um i guess in starting we had a we had a long discussion of who starts Mm -hmm. i guess starting also involves should i tell you about my books first yeah okay yeah all right so i brought four books that uh just kind of there's no theme this time this is just an assortment this is a brock's pick a mix (laughs) of
1: I haven't thought of that in forever.
0: <laughs> I used to always go to that because uh, you could... I don't know if I should finish this story. I'm going to sound like a grandpa. <laughs> <'Cause laughs> I and mean, you like, already brought it up. You could go over to it and it had a little box and you could put like a penny in it and then take out an Abraca bubble. And I only had like a penny. I didn't have, you know, I couldn't buy two pounds of candy. <laughs> I mean, it was the dream. Yeah. It's like... One of the sad realities of life is that when you could actually eat two pounds of candy, you have no ability to, like, procure two pounds of candy. And then once you're an adult and you're like, well, I, c- I could go right now and buy 10 pounds of candy right. if I wanted to. I but could oh, buy... the heartburn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd feel sick immediately. <laughs> I drank, like, a, a canned coffee drink that was fairly sweet. And by the end, I was, like, sick. I just, I felt horrible. Yeah. I was, like, child me would be so disappointed.
1: It's wasted on the young.
0: Yeah. It is. It really is. Youth is wasted on the young.
1: (laughs) They get the naps. They get the junk food.
0: It always makes me feel like maybe if I had a a child, I would just be like, go nuts, man. I thought what would be a fun holiday for kids would be the day after Christmas is bad behavior day. Because you're like, this is the one day a year you can be misbehaved and, like, swear and stuff. Because Santa's not coming for a year. Yeah. Santa's busy. Yeah.
1: He's unpacking the sleigh. Yeah, he's, he's exhausted.
0: Reindeer. He basically has to go into a coma for a couple of days yeah. to recover. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Books. All right. Book one is called Please Don't Come Back from the Moon by Dean Bacopoulos. Um, this is kind of a... Realistic fiction with some light magical elements about a suburb in Detroit where all the dads kind of spontaneously leave, and it's speculated that they're all on the moon.
1: Okay. (laughs) I feel like we had a discussion about
0: this. Maybe. I think we talked about something about the moon before. Hmm. Okay, then I've got Rock Candy Mountain by Kyle Starks. This is a uh, two graphic novel set about a uh, sort of wanderer who comes back from the war and is riding the rails and whatnot, and yeah. also participating in underground fighting matches. <laughs> and he has a magical item that's helping him search for the fabled Rock Candy Mountain, which is, you know. For lives? Yeah. As they call it in the book, it's Hobo Heaven. So Mm. he's kind of trying to find his way there. Okay. The next is The Devil's Alphabet by Daryl Gregory.
1: Daryl Gregory. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of
0: Daryl Gregory. This is my first. And I was like, I waited way too long. Yeah. Um, This is a very weird book. It's about a small town in Tennessee that a uh, virus raged... Ooh. Just occurred to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Timing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yikes. Um... An affliction raised through the the population, and it has um, it killed a lot of people. But then a lot of others, it drastically changes their biology okay. in one of three possible outcomes that are all fairly different and come with their own quirks. Let's call them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the final book, uh, this is kind of my novelty choice, is Jurassic War by Charles Hinton. Which I brought with me. Science fiction novel, Jurassic War. It's unclear from the cover. Uh I'm just going to read the description, which is on the back of the book at like 24. I
1: was going to say, I think I can read it from here. (laughs) We're across the room from each other.
0: 24 point font. (laughs) And uh, also where there's normally an author photo, there's just a picture of the front cover, Mm, which is on the opposite side. It's very accessible. Hit me. An earthquake devastates Los Angeles, allowing thousands of dangerous dinosaurs to escape from a huge dinosaur's zoo near there. They invade the city, attacking people and battling the armed force led by a hardcore general. It's a suspenseful, fascinating science fiction novel with illustrations.
1: With illustrations?
0: I, I'll show you some of the illustrations. They're pretty small, ironically uh. enough, but let me see if I can find a big one. Maybe you can describe them. Oh, here we go.
1: That's like clip art style.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It looks like clip art if you somehow got a five-year-old to draw clip art. Yep. It's really bad. There's also on this facing page what looked to me like Jesus reading the news.
1: (laughs) I was going to guess Jesus from here.
0: I'm pretty sure that's a (laughs) clip art that's intended to be Jesus.
1: I mean, it's a very deep V for Jesus.
0: Yeah, the attire is odd,
1: or or shirt in general. That's a little upsetting. It looks
0: much more like what a a lady newscaster would wear. Like it's got maybe ruffles or something in the. I don't know.
1: I mean, it's it's like a a combination of a V neck and a sweetheart neckline.
0: It's really bizarre. Yeah, (laughs) and then it's him like facing the news, and they've got the inset image of
1: the shape of his head is also unusual.
0: Yeah, nothing about this works. (laughs) It's like the images, when you put pictures in a book, it probably shouldn't be distracting because you're reading along. And I mean, this is not an easy book to read for various reasons, but then you get to the image and you're just like, wait, what? This is like a puzzle you have to solve. Because you're like, what is it supposed to be? And then you kind of start getting into like, well what were they intending to depict here?
1: <laughs> well and for for those people who are unlucky enough to not be in the room, I just have to point out as well that this copy is annotated by hand to the margins.
0: Heavily annotated. Let me see if I can find uh many question marks and angry <laughs> angry, confused okay. I see several
1: exclamation points as well.
0: Why is this here? That's not how the army works. <laughs> This cannot be the correct number. Since when is the red phone for good news? (laughs) These are some of the notes in the margin. Excellent.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the Daryl Gregory because this is a Daryl Gregory that I haven't read. But before you get started, I have an anecdote. Okay. I was at a library conference, and um, you, I know, have been to library conferences. Indeed. And there's generally some kind of an exhibition floor or exhibit floor where publishers set out books and stuff, Mm -hmm. and they give copies away. It's like, librarian heaven. (laughs) Right. So I was at this...
0: This is the rock candy mountain of librarianship. It is.
1: It truly is. (laughs) I always brought home way too many books. My, My bags were... We're we're talking, like, black hole density.
0: I went to one like this one time, and they basically had an entire section of the conference floor set aside for shipping. Yeah. So people could ship enormous boxes of books back to themselves. Yes.
1: I have done this.
0: <laughs> or they were like, here's my books suitcase, mm-hmm. and here's my suitcase suitcase.
1: Yep. Well, you have to split them because you don't want the overweight right. charges on your bag. Anyway, none of this. is <laughs> So I was, uh, I was at, I forget which publisher it was. I want to say it was like Random House. It was one of the major publishers. And I'm wandering around, and one of their reps was talking to another librarian and telling them what they had to offer. And I heard the name Daryl Gregory. And I gasped, and I turned, and the rep was like, I'm assuming you know who Daryl Gregory is. Would <laughs> you like a copy of Spoonbenders? And I was like, yes, I would. Thank you. <laughs> I think that of all the names that they were, like, there's always the book that everyone's trying to get the new ton right. of French or the new whatever. Right. And I don't think that this ref was expecting to hear somebody, like, gasp and and, and with grabby hands reach out for the new Daryl Gregory.
0: Right. She's like, I found the one giant Daryl Gregory fan in the room, which is not a knock on Daryl Gregory. No. It's just. A surprise. Yeah. There are just some authors who don't have a giant, we can't all be Stephen King.
1: He's not a household name.
0: Right. Right. And it's just because life is not fair. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone is objectively wrong. (laughs) Um, All right. I'm ready. Okay. So the Devil's Alphabet is, it's about a small town in Tennessee called Switch Creek. And the action takes place, I think, probably 20 years or so after um, a virus, a plague, something ran through the town. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it did is it killed a lot of people, but then it's infected people in three phases after that. And depending on which phase they were infected in, it altered their bodies in really significant ways in their entire biology. So the first wave of people are called Argos. And they're basically giants. They're just enormous. They're very strong. They have very deep voices. One of the characters is an Argo who, you know, they all drive around in cars with the seats, the front seats in where the back seat should be. Oh,
1: so that they can reach with their giant legs. Yep.
0: And then no roof because they can't fit in (laughs) a standard size car. Sure. Um, And he runs a business of making things like furniture for Argos because they can't... Any chair is pretty questionable for them. Yeah. The second one is... uh, They're called Betas. Betas are... um, They have no hair on their bodies. They have very pale skin. And then their faces are kind of very red and flushed all the time. And they have... um, an odd affect, I guess you might call it. They're kind of, um, impossible to read emotionally. They have emotions. Mm -hmm. It's just very difficult for non betas to understand what a beta is feeling. They also kind of have built a sort of closed off community. And, um, they also have a lot of babies. (laughs) Okay. Very young. Um, which is kind of a thing because the Argos so far haven't been able to have babies. The third group is Charlies and Charlies are people who also grow very large, but they are, they appear to be like very fat, but they're also very strong and they have other quirks, Mm -hmm. including the older Argo men (laughs) start secreting they kind of, they'll get these blisters that are filled with a, like, hallucinogenic substance, a powerful hallucinogen. Okay. So they need to be cared for because they need to have these blisters drained, because otherwise they're, like, tripping out all the time. So anyway, the story takes place, we kind of follow this guy who comes back, he's from Switch Creek, and he's what they call a skip, because he didn't die and he didn't change. And there are a few people like that. And it's kind of a weird thing for them because, uh, you know, they can go out into the rest of the world and pass So this virus was
1: only in this one small area.
0: Yeah, and it was really weird because it only infected people in this small area. It didn't spread outside of that area. It's never been seen before or since. And people can't spread it, you know, like uh, an Argo who's alive now cannot spread it to someone else.
1: Okay.
0: So he's a skip, so he looks and is completely typical physically. And so then he comes back home because a friend of his died. So he was close friends with a woman who ended up being a beta and also a guy who is an Argo. And then his dad is a Charlie. And so he kind of experiences how things are going for these different folks. Um, But it's also kind of about how this small town is trying to recover and you know, move on. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about it, though, and reading it, especially this time, it's like the perfect Christmas book, which sounds really weird. But I think this whole thing felt to me like a, a, was probably written by Daryl Gregory, because he came from a small town and left and then came back for a holiday or something. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, things here are kind of the same, but also kind of weird. And some of the changes are really good, and some of them are horrible. And, you know, the weirdness of seeing people that you knew before um, becoming adults and all this stuff. So I I don't actually know if that's his background. That's just what it felt like to me. I was like, this feels like a book that someone wrote because they went home and they're, like, sleeping in their childhood bedroom and thinking, like, this is weird. How could I express this in a way that makes sense? Yeah. It's So, you know, there's a plot. There's kind of a potential murder plot that's going on at one point. There's some kind of, like, local politics and potential graft and some weird things like that going on. Um, so it's not just, like, an emotional journey or whatever. There's right. things happen, mm-hmm. and the story really clips along. But uh, it's nice because it, I think it... I think it's a a feeling that people, the feelings will be recognizable to a lot of readers, even though the plot is out there. Mm -hmm. But as you go, you kind of come back around to feeling like, oh, okay, I think I recognize pieces of how I felt in this book.
1: Yeah. That that jives with what I know of Daryl Gregory as a writer. Yeah. And um, since you've now discovered him, I have to encourage you to read We Are All Completely Fine.
0: I just saw that popped up somewhere. Yeah. So it's I'll my favorite of his, okay.
1: it's like um a support group for people who have survived impossibly like unbelievable things uh-huh. like someone who was kidnapped by a serial killer who in who like carved into her living bone like scrimshaw oh. <laughs> and she survived
0: <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, weird and like it's not for everybody, but if it's if that would if that made you perk up a little bit, like you'll definitely love Daryl Gregory. Oh
0: I can hang with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's for me. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a good book. It's a quick read. I think it's on uh one of our digital services and I know we have it in print, so yeah. it's a great one. Yay. Yeah.
1: Daryl Gregory.
0: Read that or yeah, just read a Daryl Gregory. Also he's spelled D A R Y L just so if you're looking them up right now and getting frustrated, yeah. now you know why. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to hear about your books.
1: All right. Uh, I have a weird assortment okay. um, because I was reading weirdly because of the holidays. I'm in. So the first, my first option is Whale Day by Billy Collins.
0: Oh, yeah. Poetry. It's a collection
1: of poetry, which is not my normal jam. And I'm a little hesitant to even bring it up because I don't feel comfortable talking about poetry because mm. I don't read it much. But that also feels like maybe a reason we should talk about it.
0: And yet here we are.
1: I know. <laughs> I think a lot of people avoid poetry because it feels like uh, something that hoity-toity smart people read. Yeah. And I don't think that's true, especially of Billy Collins. So that's why I was like, I'm going to power forward and put it on my list. Nice. Second option is The Last Bookshop in London by Madeline Martin. And that is set during the, the London Blitz of World War II, Uh a woman who was an air raid protective warden, like an air raid precaution warden, and worked in a bookstore and some other stuff. So the experience of living in a besieged city during World War II. Gotcha. Number three, The Trouble with Christmas by Amy Andrews. Okay. <laughs> this is a romance novel. It's the second in a series, but I think that they stand fine on their own. Stand fine on their own. And uh, it's about... A Colorado town, and normally in, uh-huh. some, in romances, when you have like a small town in Colorado, it's like a small mountain town. Of course. This is on the Eastern Plains.
0: Oh my goodness. I know. I was just talking about this the other day, because I was like, I think people who aren't from here, when they picture Colorado, picture Aspen or mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, that's like 10% of yeah. Colorado. Half
1: of our state is just yeah. prairie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, interestingly, too, the, uh, the author is Australian. Okay. So even stranger. Um, but this is a, like a fake relationship story of a woman who comes to this small town, and then her family is going to visit. She ends up telling them a lie to keep them away. They come anyway, so she <laughs> has to pretend to be dating uh, her landlord, basically. Okay. For Christmas. <laughs> and then I have a rom-com, How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days, <laughs> okay. by K.M. Jackson. And it's kind of what you think. It's this... Um, the main character grew up kind of obsessed with Keanu Reeves. She thinks he's the perfect man. And when the tabloids report that he's about to get married, she decides that now's the moment she needs to hunt him down and tell him how she feels. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a road trip. Yeah. Like lots of celebrity content, some, some cameos by famous people in that one.
0: I keep hearing, uh, like every once in a while it seems like maybe when there's a lull in the internet, a nice guy keanu reeves story pops up yeah or it's like here's him going to work on john wick on the subway yeah <laughs> you know stuff like that.
1: here's here's uh keanu reeves in a random convenience store like yeah. being nice to some kid <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i'm like i hope he remains a, a treasure forever yeah so, like, I mean, I so know. far,
1: so good. I, I don't hear a lot of bad, and I, frankly, would be sad to hear it at yeah, this
0: point. It would be really unfortunate, because yeah. now he's so built up. Yeah. It's it's what makes me nervous. It's like we're at the, you know, last quarter of the Jenga game. Yeah. And I'm like, this is when it's the best, but also yeah. dangerous.
1: Catastrophically yeah. wrong. <laughs> Around any, any corner, it could happen.
0: Well... As much as you hesitated
1: I knew you were gonna
0: I know, but we haven't done any poetry I on know. here yet.
1: I'm actually glad. I'm just nervous about it because you read a lot of poetry and yeah. have written some. Yeah. And I am not a big poetry person.
0: That's okay. <laughs> I think I think uh I think I totally agree with you that it's this thing set aside for fancy schmancy Yeah sitting in a coffee shop snapping your fingers. Yeah,
1: with my with my fancy degree from some Ivy League College. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, you have to know what all the different forms are, and, and you have to count syllables. this obscure and...
1: literary reference from yeah. some medieval text that a poem will only make sense if you know it.
0: Right. I put. I always put a, a passage before it, you know, and they're in. it's in like, a, I don't know, Swedish, and it's just... <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just All confusing, and it's not translated. Right, no. You're just supposed to be like, "Oh, obviously, that is from the Icelandic sagas."
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, "Am I supposed to know what this? Like, I, I don't under, I don't even know how to locate these symbols on my keyboard." Right. Like, this is so impenetrable. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. So. Uh, I believe this is Billy Collins' most recent collection of poetry. Um, it's, I think, more than 50. And he was the Poet Laureate for the United States for a couple of years, um, 2001 to 2003, according to my research.
0: Sounds about right.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm going to take a stab about talking about this, <laughs> even though its I, I don't feel um, super comfortable or confident. Like, I know a lot about poetry. Um, so I picked this up because I was working on a list of books of poetry for Winter Reading Program, which starts January 3rd. By the time you're hearing this, it's probably already going.
0: It probably is, yeah. It's
1: uh, very exciting. We have some fun prizes and some fun book lists. And if you're grown-up looking to find some motivation to read,
0: Winter yeah. Reading Program. Oh, it's, it looks very fun. I put all the stuff on the website for it, and every year I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. Yeah. Also, if I guess if you're under 16 and you're listening to this, Boy, are you (laughs) precocious. True. (laughs) True. (laughs) I bet you really related to my story about paying a penny for a piece of cake.
1: (laughs) Oh, they turned it off after that. They were like, I can't relate to this old man.
0: Yeah, save it for TikTok. (laughs) Uh,
1: So as I was working on the list for Winter Reading Program, I found... Several of the volumes I was interested in. So I've read about three or four volumes of poetry over the last month or so. Wow. uh, Including Whale Day. And I picked this one because the language is super direct and like conversational and casual. So there's none of this like talking around the issue or creating some sort of illusion that's supposed to mean something that it isn't. one of my favorite poems, and a lot of my favorite of his poems were ones about being in nature and he's he talks very much about like I'm walking under the trees, and the branches are brushing my head, and I'm thinking about how I'm under the trees, and I want to like i want to remember these feelings and what it's like to be here under the trees and that's obviously my non poetic brain trying to like tell this story, but I, I really enjoyed it's like it's like somebody who's super smart and and says things in a way that really is like resonant reminding you to like take a step back and look at things in a way that you might not because we're all very busy and the modern world is fast
0: <laughs> yeah for sure yeah I think I think that's a great description of what he's like too I think I think he considers it his Job as a poet to write things that people understand. Yeah, you know, and you don't
1: struggle to figure out what the heck does he mean by this.
0: Yeah, he wrote this one that I always remember because it was like, so he did this poetry 180 project, Mm -hmm. and that was the idea was he put together a collection of poems, and it was like there's 180 days in the average school's school year or something, so it would be you could read one aloud um, every day on the loudspeaker or whatever but they were all poems that were like concrete and yeah. you could understand what was happening and like pretty clearly expressed and the one that he contributed to the anthology has this line in it about how you know so many people want to like take a poem and tie it to a chair and beat a confession out of it like what does it <laughs> really mean you know what is yeah what is this actually about? And that is
1: a remarkable way to put it. And yeah. Exactly what I think <laughs> it felt like in my college English classes. Oh,
0: I was the worst. Cause it was, yeah, it was just like, okay, what about this line? What does that mean? You yeah. know? And it was just so painful. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's, he's a, uh, a real treasure that way. I think. He's great.
1: I also um, like Mary Oliver for, yeah. for this kind of, of poetry where it's, quiet and thoughtful and pleasant it's nice it makes you feel good Uh, and not all of his subjects like in whale day they're not all like i'm walking under the trees some of it is like contemplating mortality and stuff like that but not in a not in a despairing way in a way like he's i think in his 80s at this point right and he's thinking about you know have having had a long life, and, you know, the being near the end of his life, and what does that mean, and what does it feel like? And I don't know it was just it was it was lovely
0: i have a I have a Billy Collins story,
1: oh, I'm ready for I it.
0: I went and saw him several years ago in Loveland. And sometimes when I would go see a uh, a writer, I would bring something for them to sign other than their books mm-hmm. um, because some writers don't like it. Cause it's like disrespectful or, you know, I don't know, that they have feelings about it, but, uh, he was very game. And what I brought was like, a, I'd gone to, there was like a Halloween store nearby uh-huh. and I picked out a, a genie lamp. Cause I was just like, I don't know, this is a, <laughs> this seems signable. And he was happy to sign it. And he was like, I think this is the weirdest thing I've signed. But he's like, I have signed, uh, more than one baseball for no apparent reason that he understood. He was just like, people brought a baseball, and I was like, why not? Sure. But I just really appreciated, uh, I don't know, he he doesn't take himself so seriously.
1: Yeah, he seems like, having read some of his poetry, he seems like a person that I wouldn't hesitate to go and talk to. Yeah. Sometimes I read authors, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't talk to that person.
0: (laughs) The great so-and-so. Yeah.
1: They'd see right through me in an instant. But he just seems like somebody you could chat with and who's not going to, like, determine your value based on how well you converse. Yeah. Like, how intelligent you come across in your first conversation.
0: Yeah. He definitely, he seems like the kind of person who, there are probably, there's someone who works at, like, the coffee shop where he would go. Yeah. Who probably has no idea that he's, like. Yeah. This, you know, big poet. Yeah. Because he's just that kind of person. Yeah. He's like just a nice, kind of normal person.
1: But every once in a while when he's picking up his coffee and walking out the door, he'll say something. And they're like, Man, that was cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, man, he should like write that down or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So
1: yeah. Permission granted to read some poetry that isn't gonna make you feel dumb.
0: I think also that one's available on audiobook. I'm not
1: sure. It can
0: be an interesting way. If like, if you do struggle with poetry a little bit, sometimes hearing it out loud is yeah. really good, too. Yeah. And you can just listen to it for like three minutes at a time and then yeah. on your way to work and then be done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can read one a day or listen to one a day like right before bed. It's a, a great way to get some reading into your day that's not going to take a long time.
0: I love it. We'll have to do, like, a poetry month or something. Maybe for poetry month.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> we'll do poetry month for poetry month. Brilliant! <laughs> when is poetry like month?
0: Like April.
1: All right. But okay, I like it. we can do that. I'm nervous about it.
0: No, it'll be great.
1: I'm, don't make me read any out loud, and we'll be all right.
0: You know, if it makes you feel better, one of my favorite poems of all time was in a comic strip form
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it just is uh, bad poetry oh no a tree so if that makes you feel any better
1: i read another billy collins poem and i don't remember what it is but i'm sure i could find it and i don't remember how it goes but i remember the poem is about him sitting in his house listening to classical music and the neighbor's dog is barking, and he's imagining the dog in the orchestra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. It was so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he really has a way of finding these funny little moments yeah. and unpacking a little moment into a, I don't know, the way his his mind works is really entertaining.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. All right. So, I've got Please Don't Come Back from the Moon, Rock Candy Mountain, and Jurassic War.
1: You know, I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> yep, Jurassic War.
0: <laughs> oh, Jurassic War. Okay. I, I feel like this requires a little explanation of how how did this come to be?
1: I think you could have just said how.
0: Yeah, how, why, what, <laughs> Um, uh uh-huh. <laughs> jurassic wars by a guy named charles hinton who i discovered by chance uh through a little book called agent cold beer <laughs> agent cold beer was like an 11 page story yep. self-published about i guess he's a secret agent um who goes on an assignment he's like in the fbi or the cia or something
1: he's black ops
0: yeah, he's he's very hardcore. And they put him on an assignment to uh, bust up what seems to be a single bar somewhere where the guy running it, I'm not sure if he's actually doing anything illegal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's just every hilarious thing, you know, uh, he tries to write a scene where it's like, you know, when James Bond goes to Q Branch And they're like, oh, here's a pen that does some amazing thing or whatever. And what he gets is like an all-denim outfit that's bulletproof somehow. Um, He gets like a cigar that records sound, which isn't really explained. Somehow when he lights the cigar, it then records things.
1: (laughs) Okay. I mean, sure. (laughs) Why not? I've believed crazier things when I'm reading a book.
0: I think what what the author must have done is... Wrote the story and then gone back and been like, okay, which magical devices would make this work? Right, and then was like, all right, then we'll just throw them in as technology <laughs> and done. I mean, um, it is
1: what if you're going into a book like that, see, like super secret agent black ops, you want gadgets? Yeah, you're there for the gadgets.
0: There's a great, a great gadget. It's so it's a six pack of beers that um, when you open them, they're actually grenades. So opening them sets them off and they explode.
1: That feels like it's a problem waiting to happen.
0: It was, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like they were basically useless in the story except uh, these two henchmen go into Agent Coldbeer's trailer and they're poking around and just decide to open one of his beers and drink it and so then it explodes. Okay. (laughs) But Anyway, it's hilarious. It's just like... It's the most inept thing I've ever read and I've read some very inept things. One time you and I had a bet and I don't even remember what the bet was, but as a result of losing the bet I had to read this book that was called like The Green Plastic Bench or The Green Park Bench Made of Recycled Plastic. So, yeah, something? I
1: remember I don't remember the bet either, but I do remember that title.
0: And it was like completely incoherent. Like <laughs> <My God. laughs> I couldn't I couldn't even figure out what the narrative was like or why or what was going on. Yeah. Anyway, Jurassic War is a uh, by that same author. Now, I've read some of his other books as well, which include um Get Him Off Attorney at Law, where a guy shot a nun, but then it turns out he was trying to shoot a swarm of bats that were right above the nun mm. and save her.
1: If I had a dime. I- yeah, it's just like
0: there's uh the Bad Breath vampire which <laughs> okay. is about a vampire that um I don't wanna spoil the surprise for everybody, but has a very ridiculous potty humor way of biting people and turning them into vampires. <laughs> and it's it...
1: I'm not gonna think too closely about that. <laughs>
0: There's one called The Racist Time Traveler.
1: I remember this one. You were still in our office uh, when you read this one, so I got to hear all about it.
0: It's particularly amazing. Yeah. I mean, this guy makes a time machine out of a tractor somehow, and it's like, i it's just odd because it's like, I don't really know what the racial message was. Mm-hmm. How I, It doesn't seem pro-racism. I'm pretty confident in that. But the problem is you're trying to figure out what the message is in a book where I'm like, I don't even really understand the plot of this book. Like, I don't even know what was happening, let alone... You know, it's like when you start thinking about a book like that on the level of, why a tractor? Is a tractor a better vehicle for a time machine than a DeLorean? Is that why we haven't mastered it yet?
1: Yeah, you're thinking too hard. I know.
0: (laughs) You're way overthinking. Anyway, Jurassic War is about... um, off the coast of Los Angeles on an island or something. Uh-huh. They built a uh, Jurassic Park, basically. However, it's a dinosaur zoo slash uh, meatpacking concern, because I guess they uh, dinosaur meat is very popular. Um,
1: Are they slaughtering dinosaurs?
0: Apparently, they don't really get into it. Huh. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of things in this book that just kind of come up, and then don't amount to anything. (laughs) They don't really get into the details. I
1: can imagine someone being like, if there were dinosaurs, I bet people would eat them. Yeah. And I'm just going to put a sentence in there that, yeah, people are eating dinosaurs.
0: Yeah. Well, what's weird about I see, I'm already like getting too deep, but like what's (laughs) weird about it is if if there were a Jurassic Park, I could totally see there being sort of a um, under the radar... Like, you stay at Jurassic Park in the executive suite, and it overlooks the T-Rex enclosure. And on the menu for an uh, astronomical price is, like, dinosaur meat. Because you're like, you know, for the Jeff Bezos of the world, who've experienced everything, I mean, they've gone into space, they've mm-hmm. done this, and it's like...
1: Bronto Burger, but why it actually not? is.
0: Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, but this book it's just more like a thing right there's an earthquake which destroys the enclosures and all the dinosaurs are set free right and because they're set free for some reason that uh causes them to come ashore and just start attacking everybody
1: so this island is close enough that they can get to land yeah so why have it on an island
0: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I don't know, and then I think in some parts of the book indicated it was on an island, and some that it was not. Mm. But, you know, consistency is not Charles Hinton's strong point.
1: Self-editing, I'm I'm guessing.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) In fact, I'm not even sure that this was self-edited, because I'm not sure that it was edited at all.
1: First draft.
0: Yeah. All right. Entirely possible. He's
1: rocking a first draft.
0: Riddled Mm with, uh, you know, typos and... Mm -hmm. Other errors. So the dinosaurs are are released, and then the uh, military comes in, and basically they're doing like street level house to house combat with dinosaurs for a while, which results in some great action sequences. Uh Like you know, a guy is uh, trying to fight a dinosaur, and he pulls the pin on a grenade, and then the dinosaur eats him, and then explodes. Um. (laughs) There's Uh just a an action sequence where there's like a bunch of people on a a city bus and then uh, there are dinosaurs outside and so they're arguing about whether or not they should stay in the bus or leave the bus and then someone's like I'm opening the doors and then he gets shot by somebody who then turns out to be a police officer in plain clothes and everybody cheers and it's there's a, a tank that gets turned over and explodes and There's a sequence where, like, an elderly woman is trying to escape, and the cops drive past her and won't give her a ride. But then they get out of their car and get eaten by dinosaurs, and she takes the car and is, like, cackling as she drives (laughs) by the cops being eaten. See you,
1: suckers! Yeah, I
0: mean, it's just like... That's the best part of the book. Okay. The bad part of the book is that the way this book was written was you have... People in a room discussing a plan of how we're going to fight the dinosaurs. I
1: know you hate this.
0: Then they do the plan. Then they even have a third sequence where they have a press conference where they discuss how the plan went. <laughs> so basically, we have a tripling of every, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, okay, when you have a heist movie, you have an Ocean's Eleven, or Twelve, or Thirteen, or however many there are now. Eight. Eight, yeah. <laughs> Eight through f- 14 or 13. The way you do it, right, you have, they discuss the plan. But then a couple of things got to go wrong. Right. Right, because that keeps you interested. Right. And it works because you're like, okay, I know what the plan was. So then when it deviates from the plan, I know that, uh-oh, yeah, this you're is not good. Going, yeah,
1: you're immediately going, disaster.
0: Oh, my gosh, they're headed towards the vault, but the guy is in there. How ah. is, he? oh, they're going to see him. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the odder things that people never talk about, but I think is so weird. uh, Julia Roberts is in a movie playing a woman who looks just like Julia Roberts, who also exists in this world. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is the weirdest plot point in a very mainstream movie. And I'm like, so Julia Roberts is real, but not George Clooney and Brad Pitt? Or like, how does that work?
1: Thinking too much.
0: I know. I just think that's like an extremely hilarious...
1: Was this the second one? Was this Ocean's 12? I think so. Okay, because I was like, I don't remember Ocean's 12, and that doesn't ring a whole lot of bells, so.
0: It's a big plot point that they're like, uh, Julia Roberts is somehow an actual Julia Roberts. Uh-huh. And then I think in the movie she's Tess. And so then they're like, if only we had a Julia Roberts lookalike. And they're like, Tess just so happens to look a lot like Julia Roberts. Like an
1: identical twin. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I was like, nobody has mentioned that up to this point. I mean, if you looked as much like Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts does, I think it would come up a lot.
1: I mean, Peter, you are a spitting image for yourself. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) If I found someone who looked just like me, I don't even know what I would do. And if you're Julia Roberts, if you're Tess, you're like, okay, people would constantly be coming up to you and asking for your autograph. Yeah. I mean, anyway. So it just... (laughs) It tells you what's going to happen. That thing happens exactly as they planned. And then they have a press conference. Um, The press conferences are unintentionally funny, though, because they're like... They remind me of the town hall meetings in Pawnee on Parks and Rec. Where it's like people ask bizarre questions or like... You know, there was one press conference where someone's like, did any baby dinosaurs die in the... You know, they did a bombing and they're like, did any baby dinosaurs die? And... The people were like, probably, yeah. And then someone was like, What about baby humans? And the, you know, the president or whatever is like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, you don't know if any there are any dead humans <laughs> And then they do another sequence like that. It's if you've ever read the The Onion and they'll have that section where they ask a question and it's like a person on the street interview. Uh-huh. And so they're like, what do you think of the dinosaur war? And they're interviewing people. And, you know, someone is like, oh, I hate it. Like, it's made the price of dinosaur meat skyrocket. (laughs) And then somebody else is like, I'm glad we're having a war. Like, if I was younger, I would sign up to fight the dinosaurs, you know? (laughs) And then the best one is a lady who's like, I hope we can reach some kind of peace agreement. (laughs) And what's magical... Can't we all just come to the table? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not really sure how you reach a peace agreement with dinosaurs when their reason for attacking you is completely unclear still. Mm-hmm. and
1: Well, isn't it just like raw predatory instinct? I think
0: so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can talk it out. You know, you couldn't like find wolves in the woods and be like, listen, if you could leave the rabbits hey, alone. Hey, it worked in Finding Nemo. It did. That's true. For sure
1: friends, not food.
0: That's true. Um oh. <laughs> And anyway, that's
1: how we link uh, an obscure self-published novel about dinosaurs to a Disney Pixar classic.
0: I, You know, I want that to be a quote on the back. <laughs> Essentially the same thing as Finding Nemo. Same level. So anyway, the magic of a uh, Charles Hinton book is you have a lady say something like, I hope we can reach a peace agreement. And I, I don't know if he's laughing and he thinks this is fun or if... He's totally oblivious. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's most of what I want to say about Jurassic War. Oh, I do want to say towards the conclusion, there's a part where one of the head scientists from the Jurassic Park, I can't remember what they call it, but let's call it Jurassic Park, uh, is like, well, I'm headed to Japan because they're going to build a new park over there.
1: I wonder what this could be.
0: Yeah, and then one of the other guys is like, "Oh, do you think that an earthquake there could cause the same problem?" And he says, "God only knows." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I think you know. Uh, you just saw it happen. This entire yeah. book has been about that happening."
1: Yeah, and also they they have a lot of earthquakes. Yeah, you know, in that region of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems seems rife with possibility. <laughs> Anyway, um, I guess the the title of this show is "Why Did You Read That?" Yeah, I read this because I read Agent Cold Beer and enjoyed it. And the problem is, Agent Cold Beer is like a tight twelve pages of just hilarious incompetence. This is also a tight twelve pages of hilarious incompetence, but the problem is, it's two hundred pages long. <laughs> right. So if it was if it was condensed down to the best bits. If he would let me do an editor's cut, I think this could also be great. But. Uh,
1: would you say this is an instance of Peter Reddit so you don't have to?
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I would not recommend that. I recommend Agent Cold Beer. <laughs> there are two Agent Cold Beers. One is called Agent Cold Beer on Assignment, and it's part two. And the other one is Agent Cold Beer the Japan Assignment. But I'm pretty sure the Japan assignment comes after part two. Hmm. It's really confusing. So is
1: there just no part
0: one? I guess. Hmm. But read read the one that's part two, not the Japan assignment. But yeah, you're welcome for reading this so that nobody else ever has to. <laughs> if you ever see this on a bookstore shelf or something.
1: Because I'm sure that would happen.
0: Yeah, don't get it. Don't Don't do it. Just, you know.
1: You know what? I'm looking at the cover, and I feel confident that very few people would.
0: I don't think it's a high temptation. I didn't
1: even realize that those were dinosaurs <laughs> until just now. <laughs> I don't... I thought that this was like some sort of weird, like, DNA swirly egg thing.
0: Oh, yeah. It just kind of looks like a a blurry design. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of oddly shaped dinosaur heads that seem to be wearing a lot of eyeliner. And they have like a a chin waddle thing, yeah, they do it's just weird if you ever get on an airplane, let's say, and this is in the seat back pocket,
1: you'll know that Peter was there before you,
0: yes, and also, <laughs> if it's this or nothing, I'd probably still take nothing.
1: <laughs> I don't know it's annotated.
0: that's true. If it's this copy, which is a high high likelihood, I suppose it would almost be like reading a book and having a conversation about it. And you know, you just get to laugh at these notes that are like, "Well, who knows? It's not like anything in this book is relevant." (laughs) There you go, Jurassic War. Good
1: times.
0: (laughs) Okay, I want to hear about the Keanu Reeves book. Oh, okay. I decided.
1: I was all ready to tell you my titles, but you were you were ready.
0: I was oscillating between that and Christmas. Okay but I've decided Keanu Reeves is the way I want to go.
1: He's he's definitely a selling point. Um, And I should go in by saying, by admitting that I did not love this book a whole lot, actually. Um, I read this, I occasionally review romance novels for Library Journal, Mm -hmm. and this is one of the books that was assigned to me to review. And uh, I read it, and it's not a bad book. Like, if this this kind of, like, madcap bananas kind of story sounds like it's up your alley. It delivers what is in the title hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Um, but for me, I don't know, just having a woman in like her thirties, who's still like has this celebrity obsession to that degree. Mm. I've struggled with a little bit, but if you can get past that, which a lot of people can, um, it's definitely, like, madcap strange fun. Okay. So the main character's name is Bethany Lou Carlisle, and she's the one she's been obsessed with Keanu Reeves for, like, pretty much all of her life. And she has a best friend named Truman, who's um, nicknamed True. And he's actually, you know, I think it's not going to be a surprise when you're reading a rom-com. He's actually, like, the love interest.
0: Right. He's and the boof of this.
1: Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so... um, when she decides that she needs to like take seize her moment, seize her opportunity, and find Keanu Reeves and tell him—actually, I don't even think she's trying to like win him for herself. I think she wants to go convince him not to get married because he is—he is the hope of of womankind everywhere. Uh, they can look to Keanu Reeves and say there is an unmarried great guy out there, okay. and so he shouldn't get married and ruin that. For, for women
0: gotcha he has an <laughs> obligation to the community
1: exactly <laughs> okay. she's like think think of think of us yeah, <laughs> I know you're in love and everything and you want to get married but think of us
0: have you ever considered though right. the impact right. on me <laughs> all of
1: these people you've never met
0: right you're getting married impacts me in a specific right. way
1: <laughs> so her best friend um for for his own reasons decides he's gonna, you know, help her. So he he has a quote unquote guy that he knows and he's going to get them on as extras um in this Keanu Reeves movie. So they end up going to I think it's um I have to look it up. Okay. Coney Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Starting I went to back Coney up.
0: Island, the One of the two times I went to New York, even (laughs) though it was winter. (laughs) And there was nothing happening.
1: So, Keanu Reeves is apparently filming a new action movie at Coney Island. Okay. And um, True is going to use his guy to get them on as extras. Okay. And uh, they're on like a, a Ferris wheel and they're filming and she doesn't see him. And it turns out that he was actually like fighting on top of their, like, it's that kind of Ferris wheel that has like a roof and like it's round.
0: Oh, a uh, carousel?
1: No, it's a Ferris wheel. So it goes uh, it goes up and down and around, oh, okay. but you sit in a, like a circle and it's got a roof.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. The Wonder Wheel? Yeah, probably. sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he was apparently fighting on top of theirs the whole time. And then he gets down and she sees oh, him and okay. then he walked. So lots of these like near miss moments. Okay. She goes to like a party where there's a holographic Keanu Reeves, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) it's like a technology, something or other. And, um, at some point she ends up going to, I think Arizona, somewhere in the Southwest where there's some sort of a fan convention that he's going to be appearing at. (laughs) And they go like last minute and end up at this real quirky, like weird little like resort place. Okay. And their, their neighbors in the next RV are Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet. (laughs) Sure. Of course.
0: Are they, um, and they like are they a thing?
1: Have ha- like homemade wine and they give them like a <laughs> bottle of their homemade wine. All these real weird little details.
0: <laughs> all right. And um we go on a journey. They
1: go on a journey <laughs> and I don't want to like I could tell you how it ends, but I don't really want to cuz I think okay. if this sounds like something you want to read like it's about the journey. It's about the weird yeah. things that are going on on her quest to meet Keanu Reeves. Okay. Um, but it is, a, it's a rom-com. There's a happily ever after. Okay. Um, it's wacky. <laughs>
0: it sounds good.
1: <laughs> lots of, so if you like a gossipy celebrity thing going on and like lots of little cameos, 100% here. Like if you're picking up a book called How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days, Yeah. like chances are you're looking for, for these kind of celebrity moments and they're a hundred percent here true um so yeah
0: all right odd um fun (laughs) for it it's
1: exactly what it says it's gonna be yeah yeah
0: (laughs) okay i like it yeah i like i like the rom-coms i don't know there's just something about those stories that's fun
1: they don't i mean they don't take themselves seriously they're out to do something strange and fun yeah and they do it
0: yeah I, i don't know it's a good idea yeah i wonder i would like to see to if i could just like uh have a time machine and just be like what is this like in a hundred years like do people know who that is and does it or is this like if someone wrote a similar book and it was about errol flynn or something and people are like what people i still I don't know who it. errol flynn is i know they know who he is but
1: how about merle oberon sure there you go i have no idea i'm who an is. old movie nerd so i can come up with one of the names <laughs>
0: But, like, you know, because Keanu Reeves occupies this, like, weird cultural space yeah. that I don't know if that part translates, you know what I mean? And so I don't know if I would understand. Yeah,
1: Is he going to stand the test of time?
0: Yeah. I hope so. I hope but so, I guess too. We'll see. I, I
1: like Keanu Reeves.
0: That would be very depressing if you, like, woke up 100 years in the future and all these things and people are like, oh, we don't. Yeah. I don't know who that is. And you're like, Okay.
1: No John Wick, no Bill and Ted. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No Bill and Ted. He
1: did Destination Wedding, which I don't think a lot of people saw, but I loved because he's, like, both of them are completely grumpy. It's like the reuniting of Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves, and they are grumpy, and I love it.
0: He also he has a great cameo in um, Always Be My Maybe. Yep. Where <laughs> he it's plays like, himself. Like, yeah.
1: Dialed up to 11. Yeah.
0: And he's just, it's so funny. Yep. Because you could tell he's playing it and they were just like, we want you to be you, but like 10 times you. Yeah. And kind of blissfully unaware how obnoxious <laughs> it is for other people to be around a perfect person. Yes. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Good stuff.
0: Point break. Point break.
1: Speed. Speed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Speed. How many
1: times have I watched Speed? I don't know. I can't count them.
0: That's one of the few that I saw with my mom in the movie theater. It was one of the few action movies that she could get behind. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it's just so wacky. I
1: think I saw it two or three times in the theater.
0: Speed, I think, changed the whole game as far as, like, when Die Hard came out, right? It was like, okay, we can do Die Hard... In this scenario, or this is kind of a diehard, or that's kind of a diehard. And speed was like a, another layer of diehard on a bus. Yeah. But then I think after speed came out, it was like, Ooh, okay, speed onto this, speed onto that. Yeah. I also just love that it's called speed, but they're on a bus the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, we don't have to get into it. It makes sense, Peter.
0: <laughs> also, one of the best, like, action movie lines when he, uh, eventually, Dennis Hopper gets decapitated. Oh. And so Dennis Hopper's talking trash to him, and then he gets decapitated, and Keanu Reeves says, well, I'm taller.
1: Yep. (laughs) I love a movie action movie, as we've discussed.
0: They had a similar thing in, I think, it was either Bruce Willis or Schwarzenegger. I can't remember. But a guy gets decapitated, and the action movie line is, uh, well, I guess you won't be going to that hat convention this spring. That's
1: a good one. (laughs)
0: Like, that's a long way around for that.
1: (laughs) This is unrelated to anything, but I feel the need to share it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I listened to this podcast called um, No Such Thing as a Fish. Oh, yeah. And it's like a fact, like fun fact podcast. Yeah. And they were talking about the fact that – Sylvester Stallone was tricked into making the movie Stop or My Mom Will Shoot by Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> who pretended to want it because he secretly wanted Sylvester Stallone to take it. That's awesome. So he, he um, had his agent tell the studio that he was interested, but he asked for some exorbitant amount of money. And then the studio went to Sylvester Stallone and said, hey, you know, Schwarzenegger's interested. But we wanted to see, you know, what you think. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> so he made the movie.
0: It's almost like that entire movie is a joke Yeah. on Stallone. Because, man, when you watch it, it's like, if I remember it right, it's like... A,
1: Estelle Getty. Estelle
0: Getty is his mom. Yep. And he's like a cop or an FBI agent yep. or something. And then she somehow gets embroiled in whatever case and... He literally says in the movie, stop or yeah. my mom will shoot.
1: I was going to say, it's one of those gems where the title is in the movie. <laughs> stop or my mom will shoot.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's funny if you're a powerful enough celebrity at one point that you could basically make a whole movie happen as a way of... Uh, pulling a prank on somebody else.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess they really didn't like each other. Yeah. Um, That Schwarzenegger felt like um, Stallone was a little bit high on the horse because he'd won this Oscar and he wrote Rocky and, you know, I don't know. Call me crazy. Rocky is a pretty perfect movie. Yeah. He deserves that Oscar.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to me that Schwarzenegger would be that way with Stallone because I'm like... Well, you're saying he's high on the horse. It's, I could see it if Van Damme was high on the horse because he's like, I made Time Cop. Yeah. <laughs> I made Double Impact where I played my own twin, you know, and yeah. I nailed it. And I'd be like, dude, you made Time Cop. Come on. Yeah. But, I, you know, being high on the horse because you wrote Rocky, is yeah. eh, understandable.
1: Yeah. It's an American classic.
0: You know, I guess the only thing... Because I guess Stallone was kind of like going into Schwarzenegger's realm when he made Rambo. Well, not First Blood, the first one, but two and three probably I haven't was. seen
1: any of them, so I'll take your word for it.
0: The first one is actually a much uh, quieter movie. It's a little bit like, you know how the Rocky series yeah. evolves over time and gets...
1: And eventually Rocky is defeating communism single-handedly.
0: On Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a robot butler. (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, Rambo kind of works the same way. Okay. So the first movie is kind of like the first Rocky, where it's actually more of a story of like a PTSD veteran who can't find a Mm -hmm. home in America anymore. Like, you know, he did all these things, and now the country doesn't want him, and blah, blah, blah. Um, And then it turns into an action movie where he's like, oiled and topless and shooting a machine gun at waste. While he screams. Yeah, just screaming and just bizarre.
1: And this has been a demonstration of how conversations between Megger and Peter go.
0: (laughs) Imagine being our boss and having to be like, okay.
1: (laughs) This is all well and good, but you guys are getting paid to do work.
0: (laughs) We had like a monthly meeting that would sort of always end at a point about like this. Yep. Because our boss, maybe we should have our boss just sit here yeah, And then she could be like, this is okay. all fine.
1: This is all fine. Okay. We've reached the point. Yep. to up.
0: Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap it up. Okay. Um, okay. So I'll go through my four titles real quick. Please do. Please don't come back from the moon by Dean Bacopoulos. B-A-K-O-P-O-U-L-O-S. Uh, great book. It's about, you know, this small suburb of Detroit where all the dads leave. Things get out of hand pretty quickly because the sons kind of step into their dad's roles. Um, there's some amusing parts because, like, they uh, a bar starts serving, you know, 12 year olds because the bartender's like, A, there's nobody here anymore. So I'm <laughs> right. going to have to close my bar. And B, he starts having some uh, dementia and is confusing the sons for their fathers. Ah. There's, you know, some, like, Mrs. Robinson situations going on because all the moms are still there. Not when they're, like, 12, but when they're in their older teens. Okay. Thank Um, you for that. Yep. So, anyway, um, it's, you know, it's kind of like a, almost like a magical realism thing going on, but it seems to be at the core about how, like, fathers become their sons. Okay. And start realizing. Sons become their fathers? Sons become their fathers. (laughs) And then I guess maybe fathers become their sons because they want to be irresponsible again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and I think they start realizing, like, oh, this is why my dad was grumpy all the time. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Rock Candy Mountain by Kyle Starks is a two-part graphic novel about a guy trying to find uh, Rock Candy Mountain. Um, Hobo's Paradise? Yeah. Yeah. It's got, you know, it's just, there's, like, weird underground fighting. There's a deal with the devil. There's a lot of stuff. Um, It's a humorous thing, and there's a line from it that I think can kind of tell you whether or not this is going to be your speed. So there's a part where the main character's uh, in this big fist fight, and, you know, he's just, like, starching everybody. And someone off to the side says, He's got punch diarrhea, and their faces are the toilet bowl. So that's the kind of thing you can expect. Okay. The Devil's...
1: <laughs> okay.
0: The, Sorry. De- the Devil's I'm Alphabet, fine. which is the one I talked about, about the plague in small town Tennessee. And then Jurassic War by Charles Hinton, which I'm going to say nothing about because I think I've already said more about it than anyone ever in history yeah. ever should have.
1: I think we've kicked that door down.
0: I think this one's done. <laughs>
1: All right, my four. Um, The first one is Whale Day by Billy Collins. It's the collection of poetry. If you're looking to dip your toes into the waters of poetry, um, it's a welcoming pool, I think. Second is The Last Bookshop in London by Madeline Martin. This is a great choice, I think, for book clubs. Uh, And if you really like historical fiction, World War II fiction, uh, I don't see a whole lot that's set during the Blitz. Uh, which I find to be a fascinating period in history. So this is a great option to learn a little bit more about the home front. Then we've got The Trouble with Christmas by Amy Andrews. This is part of the Credence Colorado series of romance novels that's unique because it's set in eastern Colorado in a small plains town. And um, it's like a Hallmark movie, basically. Okay. <laughs> so I think if you're looking for fake relationship, Hallmark movie, Power of Christmas, um,
0: This is the book. Checks the boxes.
1: Yeah, it gets gets you what you're looking for. (laughs) And then we've got How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days by K.M. Jackson. And again, this is exactly what it says on the tin. (laughs) You know, if you're looking for a real gossipy, celebrity-laden kind of cameo, rom-com, road trips, bizarre happenings, stuff that you would never see in real life, but that is great in a rom-com, it's all in here.
0: Nice. (laughs) Excellent, we did it. We did it. Well, congratulations to us,
1: and happy New Year to everyone.
0: Happy New Year to everyone. For our next episode, which would come out in February, mm-hmm. should we do like a love romance?
1: This I would mean, be you more in your ball field than mine,
0: <laughs> but I'll do my best. <laughs> I think I already talked about the one romance that I've read up to this point. Yes. So,
1: I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a romance. It could be a love story, and like I know that you've true. read that. Book of poetry, like love poems for, he did, he did like a series of them. Hmm. Poems for couples, poems for working. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, Garrison Keillor, maybe. No. He did like poems. Doesn't matter. It's fine. (laughs) 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 I'm sure, I'm sure I can look through my list of books and find, you know, keyword search love and. (laughs) figure something out
1: yeah there are relationships in most books yeah i think you can i think you can manage i have faith in you
0: i read i did read one about you know these people who are stuck in a mall and then they mutated into like a grasshopper man and that ends in a love adjacent way
1: <laughs> all right so that's been uh that's been this one <laughs>
0: let's let's end this Uh, I was going to say before it gets weird, but not so long after it gets weird.
1: Before it gets weirder. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.